Amen. Sit down, have your seat. Have your seat. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Say today, I receive all that God has for me today. I walk in revelation knowledge and in my identity in Christ. Amen. Praise God. Okay. Now, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, there are a couple of questions. Um, I would do well to answer them in the course of the teaching or towards the end of this meeting. But I want to answer one very quickly uh, because um, I felt that question to be very, very honest. All the questions are honest. So, so Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you so much, Pastor Kola, for the teaching on evangelism. Thank you so much for that. And thank you, Pastor Fred, for giving me the opportunity. You know, I started thanking people anytime I come again to preach because of a story I heard that of my mentor. Uh, he said that. They asked him that, why do you always send people every time they tell you to preach? He said that, well, he has gone to places where he preaches the first day, and the next day the pastor tells him, don't come and preach again. <laughs> so he's thinking, you know, of course, Pastor Fred won't do that to me. <laughs> okay, so thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah, Ephesians chapter 4. I think I'm the one that is not there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. Oh, let's read from verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Praise God. And last time we said that what perfect the believer is the knowledge of God or the knowledge of the Son. And we said that the knowledge of the Son is only acquired by revelation, right? Not senses. Then we further went on to say that in revelation, we will see the revelation of the believer, our identity. Praise God. Now somebody asked the question that in Romans chapter 8 verse 29, we saw that conformity is not uh, a process it is instantaneous then in Romans chapter 12 verse 2 there's another conformity and the person said is that not a contradiction so I will explain why it is not a contradiction so in Romans chapter 8 verse 29 the object of why they said or why they used conform is because they are talking about Jesus the Son of God okay that's the subject so that's, so that's the focus of that statement but in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, the subject of that statement is a way of life. Do you understand? Okay, in case, I don't want to open my Bible there, but if somebody can show, if you can show us, go to Romans chapter 8, verse 29. So let me show you, so you just see it. 
So in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, he says, For whom, he's talking about God, he did for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So he's saying that God foreknew us and predestinated us so that we would be in the image of Jesus. So he's talking about our nature. And that our nature, our life will be exactly like Jesus. So because he's talking about sonship, right, that is why it is not a process. Sonship is not a process. He says that then he goes further to say that he might be what? Firstborn among many brethren. Firstborn means that Jesus Christ will be the example of others. It's the word prototype. Now, you know, um, um, Apple, you know, uh, those who use iPhone and Apple phones, you know, before they, before they bring out that particular product, they make a prototype. They say, oh, this is how uh, one, exactly, make one and say, oh, this is how this other product will look like. You understand? So Jesus Christ is the first product of the new creation. That's why he uses firstborn among many brethren. Brethren means brothers. People that are the same. Do you understand? People that are the same. So if we are talking about brothers or family, right, you cannot be referring to a process. Do you understand? So that's why this definition of conform is the word sumophos in the Greek. I didn't mention it last week, but that's the word there. So that, did I say last week? Sorry, I teach last week every week. You know, so, you know, so that's why. So that's why this is different. Now, in Romans chapter 12, please go there. Romans chapter 12. Let's start from verse 1. So you see the context is different. The applications are different. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, right? Holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. He says, and be not conformed, right, to this word. Now, this one here, the Greek word here is shuchimatizo, something like that. That's the word in the Greek. Very different, shuchimatizo. So he says, and be not conformed to this word. So this one is referring to, do not live your life like the world. Do you understand? So that's why it's different. The other one is something that happens. Why this one is saying, he's talking about your everyday, right? So he says, and be not conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Do you understand? So that's why it is different. Amen? Is that clear? I will answer the rest of the questions as I teach. Okay? So please, if you know your question, pay attention. So I will not say so I've answered your question. I will just know that I've answered it. <laughs> Amen. So last time, last week, Yesterday, pray for me. Yesterday, we stopped at. So, yesterday, we saw that the believer is the house of God, right? We saw that the believer is the Father's house, God's temple. So, I asked the question because that's why we stopped. And I, I want to quickly move that, answer that part. And I asked you, I asked the question that did God, huh? who can remember, who can remind the, remember me the question? Yes. Huh? The tabernacle of the Old Testament. Okay. So that was the question. So let's find out. Now, that was one question. Somebody even quoted a scripture. All those, one man of God was say scripture boys. He even added a scripture to his question. But sir, in Exodus chapter, blah, 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 you know, but uh, we'll see it. So why 
was there a temple in the Old Testament? So let's quickly look at that. Quickly, quickly. So first of all, let us go to Acts chapter 7. I want you to know that from tomorrow, we'll actually be teaching the things of the Spirit, please. And I want to say something when it comes to the things of the Spirit. Before coming to the meeting, okay, prepare your mind, right, that you as a person will be a blessing. Okay, prepare your mind that you as a person will be a blessing. And I'm going to show you, okay how that you do it you know some of the things uh, pastor Kola has even mentioned it in preparing for a meeting like this right okay okay what did i say act chapter 7 right so go to act chapter 7 very quickly act chapter 7 from verse 44. Acts chapter 7 verse 44. So it says, Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness, okay, in the wilderness as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses that he should, what? Make according to what? The fashion that he had seen. So one of the things I want you to pay attention to is that Moses saw something, right? Moses saw something in the mountain. This is Apostle Stephen and he's teaching. Of course, he died after this message, you know. <laughs> but he's teaching them something. So he says that he, as, he had appoint, as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make according to the fashion. That Now, another version will use the word pattern, Right? A version we use the word pattern. Now let's carry on. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith. The fan has blown my Bible. Sorry. Because <laughs> I was like, a man full of faith. Okay. Verse 45. Which also our fathers that came after brought in with Joshua. I told you that word is Joshua, it's not Jesus, into the possession of the Gentiles. Whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him an house. So, verse 48 is Stephen's explanation. He said, However, the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as seeth the prophets. So Stephen explains, they now quotes to, to back what he just said. That this is in Isaiah chapter 66. Heaven is my throne and, the, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me? See the Lord. Or what is the place of my rest? Are not my hands made all these things? Right? So Stephen quotes Isaiah to buttress the point that the tabernacle or the temple made with hands, God did not dwell there. Amen? Now, let us move on. Go to John chapter 2. Let's see Jesus. In case you say, well, that's Stephen. It's not Jesus. So go to John chapter 2. 
John chapter 2. Verse 17. And his disciples remember that it was written, The zeal of thy house had eaten me up. This is Jesus being hungry, sending all of them out of the temple. He now says, And his disciples, um, 18, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou, thou unto us, saying that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple in three days, and I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in the building. And without rear it up in three days, but he spake of the temple of his what? He spake of his temple of his body. Now I put it to you that John, when he wrote this statement, or when this, this event happened, John did not know that it was the temple of his body. This is after. He, because Jesus, John is writing after Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Amen? So that's what he's writing. So and he's using Jesus' interpretation of the Old Testament in Luke chapter 24. Because John was there when Jesus was doing that interpretation. Are you following? So he's interpreting what Jesus meant. So Jesus tells us that he's going to destroy the supposed temple that God dwells in, right? And raise another temple. And he calls it the temple of his body. Are you following are you with me? Is everybody with me, please? Can I see your hands if you're, if you're with me? Okay, good. So let's, let's carry on quickly. Now, <clears throat> so, so he says, now notice that Jesus said that, he says, destroy this temple and in three, <laughs> good, that's what I was looking for. He said, destroy this temple and in three days, Three days, I will raise it up. Three days, I would raise it up. Now know that the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus happened in three days and in three nights. Right? In three days and in three nights. So Jesus is saying that when I rise from the dead, there will be a new temple. Are you following? There will be what? A new temple. Praise God. Okay. So, so, and this is the believer. The believer is God's tabernacle. We said this yesterday, right? Okay, carry on. Let's, let's quickly move now and let us find out. So what is going on in the Old Testament? What is going on in the Old Testament? Are you ready? Do you want to see that quickly? Okay. Now, before we buttress that point, I want, you to, I want to show you something in John chapter 4. Go to John chapter 4. So John chapter 4. Because this talks about temple too. So let me just show you another place with Jesus. Okay? John chapter 4. So Jesus meets a woman at the well. Okay? Remember that woman? Meets her at the well. Now verse... Let us read verse, um, let's read from verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of, of the water that I shall give him shall never taste. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I taste not, neither come either to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come either. 
The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus gave a word of knowledge, and the woman said, the word of knowledge is wrong. Amen? So don't be afraid when you say something, and if Jesus can give a word of knowledge, and you might say, no, not me. Have you not seen? I have no husband. You know, so don't think that, ah, it's like I don't have the spirit anymore. I don't think Jesus taught that. Praise God. So he says, uh, where am I now? What verse am I? 17, good. He says, and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, that as well said, Jesus even agreed, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that he said thou truly. 19, the woman said unto him, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Pay attention to 20. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. When the woman referred to Jerusalem, she's talking about the temple made with hands. Are you following? Huh? So that's why I want us to go there. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Right? He worship ye know not what we know. No, sorry. You worship ye know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. Now, that statement does not mean that salvation belongs to the Jews. No. It means that salvation will come from the Jews. That's what it means. Not that salvation belongs to the Jews. Uh-uh. Salvation would come from the Jews. That's what Jesus is saying. So he says, but the hour cometh, verse 23, pay attention now. He says, and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father. In what? In spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Now, Jesus is using a word. He uses the word true worshippers. True worshippers. That's what Jesus says there. True worshippers. Now, why did Jesus use true? Why did Jesus use true? Now, true is not, yeah, is not the opposite of false or fake. True is not the opposite of false or fake. Sorry, are you pressing your phone? So, true is not the opposite of false or fake. Now, the word true has to do with something permanent. The word true, it has to do with something permanent, the state of something. That is something that would not change. Now, Pastor Kola was teaching in John chapter 1, and he quoted Jesus being the true light. That's John chapter 1 verse 9. Can you remember? Okay. True light. So he's saying that Jesus' light eh, will be permanent. Now, okay, go there. John chapter 1 verse 9. He says, let us read verse from verse 7. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of delight, that all men through him might believe. For it was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighted every man that cometh into the world. He said, that was the true light. So, Jesus, I mean, John writes and says, John is not the true light. 
Jesus is the true light. That is, his light is permanent and it will light others. It is lasting. That's, that's why it uses the word true. You know, it is, that light is lasting to not off because it will keep lighting men, lighting men. Do you understand? So true in Bible language is referring to permanency. Something that lasts forever. Do you get it? Okay. So, <clears throat> now, look at, look at um, Luke chapter 1. Let's see it again. Luke chapter 1. Go to Luke. No, 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 not Luke 1. Sorry, Luke 19. Luke 19. text well I'm sorry just just give me a minute okay okay let's move on there's no time where, where I wanted to quote for you is where Jesus talks about true riches uh, I can't remember where it is again I didn't I just quoted I just wrote it down but I didn't write the verse true riches now when Jesus used that phrase true riches it is in comparison, right, to earthly, something that is earthly. Yes, you found it. Thank you. Luke 16, 11. Thank you, Stan. Thank you. Luke 16, 11. Let's, let's quickly look at it. Luke chapter 16, verse 11. Thank you, Stan. Okay, good. He says, if, if therefore you have been faithful in unrighteous mammon, that's money, okay? That's money. He says, who will commit to you, to your trust, the what? True riches. Now, why did Jesus use true riches? Is to say that the riches he's talking about is permanent. Unrighteous mammon is not permanent. Amen? He doesn't speak in heaven. Praise God. Praise God. All right. So, do you understand the word true now? Okay? Something permanent. Okay. So, so go back to... Go back to, I mean, John, John chapter 4, where we're reading about the woman. So, in John chapter 4, when Jesus said, you would not need earthly places to worship, okay? That's what Jesus said in verse 23. You will not need earthly places to worship. Why? Because an hour is coming where true worshippers would worship the Father in spirit and in what? And in truth. Now, spirit and truth is not two different things. You know, back then, some people used to say when they quote John chapter 1 verse, and <laughs> I think you already know this. <laughs> say, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by John. You say, you have known the grace. What is the truth? Nonsense. There's a brother like that, very zealous with that doctrine. That's the only thing he knows. <laughs> See, you have no grace. But I say, okay, what is the truth? It just says some confusing nonsense. You know? When the Bible says grace and truth, they are not two different things. He's saying grace, which is truth. 
You understand? It's not two things. He's saying grace is the truth of God. Okay? So when he says, the Father, the Father seeketh those who worship him in spirit and in truth, he's saying that in spirit and which is reality. Truth is reality. Okay? So he's saying that the worship in the spirit is the reality. Are you following? That's where, that's where I'm going. Things of the spirit, which you have known now. <laughs> okay? So, <clears throat> so, now, in the earthly temple, okay? Notice that in the earthly temples, if you read the Old Testament text, you're always going with something, right? You're going with animals or, you know, things like that. You're always going. Jesus is now saying, look, you would not need those things now, okay? Because the worship would be done in the spirit or by the spirit, okay? The worship will be done in the spirit or by the spirit, okay? Now, so Jesus is saying, you will not require any offering that he did, right? In the text of the Old Testament. You will not require any offering anymore. You will worship in the spirit. That is, you will worship with unseen realities. Unseen realities. That is, those realities are not seen with the physical eyes, right? But they are in the spirit. And you will worship with those things. Huh? You will worship with those things. Okay. <clears throat> so, so it tells us why that is going to happen. He says, for God is a spirit. Verse 24, right? God is a spirit, or God a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay. Now, there's a phrase I want us to quickly see there. When he says, the father seeketh such. The father seeketh such. Now, this does not mean like the father is, where is my true worshippers? Where are they? You know, it doesn't mean that, that he's trying to find something. No. Or, you know, somebody, somebody can use that as a sermon. And say, when the, father, <laughs> the father seeketh such, are you a true worshipper? To be a true worshipper, you have to do this and do this. No, no, uh -uh. So it's not that. You, you know, some, some people, we want to cheat that. You are going to see that true worship, right, will first come from your identity. Huh? That's why he says, he seeketh such for those who will watch in spirit. That is, those individuals will be in the spirit. Okay? Are you following? Alright. So, it's not like he's looking for. So, anybody that wants to use that to guilt trip you and say that you're not a true worshiper because uh, you don't pray and fast. Or you don't... Um, Whatever they say, I'm not in those line anymore. So, now the word seeketh such is a statement that Jesus uses in comparison to the conversation. I'll say it again. Jesus used the statement seeketh such because of what he was saying before. What was he saying before? Temple, heavenly temple, right? Now, I'm now speaking of an heavenly worship or a spiritual worship. You understand? So it is in comparison to the conversation. That is, he's saying that this is what the Father wants. Huh? 
This is what the father desires. The father desires worship in the spirit. Okay? So the question, we go back to the question. If that's what the father desires, what was happening in the Old Testament? Do you understand? Jesus is saying, the father desires a worship in the spirit, right? And that worship is reality. Huh? So what was going on in the Old Testament? Are you following? So I just showed you Stephen, right? I showed you Isaiah. Then I now showed you Jesus himself. Do you understand? To, to buttress the point that the real worship is worship done in the spirit. Are you following? So let's, let's, let's quickly go on. So, <clears throat> so write this down. It's, Jesus is saying that the father never sought for anyone for anyone to carry an offering huh? to carry a sacrifice to worship him that's what Jesus is saying so what was the temple for in the Old Testament huh? what was the temple for in the Old Testament Jesus says that Worship, he said, the hour now is where worship will be reality. That's what John 4 says. So, what is the temple for? And what is the reality? Now, go to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. I want you to say, say I'm the temple of God. I'm a true worshiper. I worship in the spirit and in reality. Okay. Now, what I want you to do is, if you have your Bible, I want you to put your hand in Acts chapter 8 very quickly. I want to, want to do an exam now. You know, this is how Holy Ghost practice will be, but I want to start from basic. So, go, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 8. Okay? Go there now. Go to Hebrews 8 quickly. So, put your hand in Hebrews 8. Now, and go open your Bible again to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Quickly. See, if you don't have a Bible now, if you're using a phone, I wonder how you'll be able to put your hand. <laughs> Sorry for those who are offended. I purposely said that. Because you can't put hand. Hmm? How do you want to do it? I don't want to look at your faces because you'll be like... So, Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Now, I want you to read verse 44. Now, this is what I want you to do. Read it in your mind. Then go to Act, then go back to Hebrews 8 and read Hebrews 8, verse 4 and 5. And tell me if there's a difference or similarity. No, tell me the similarity, not the difference. Tell me the similarity. Quickly, two under two minutes. Two minutes. Do that. Yes, 
Who's ready? Show me this offer. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm working with time. Show me this offer. Who is ready? Who wants to show me? Abba, Abba, Abba now. Abba. Quickly, quickly. Eh? Ah, Hebrews 8, verse 4 and 5. Oh, don't read the whole chapter. Oh. Ah. It's not a... Kini we are doing, no. It's not Bible study. Yes? There's a similar, something similar. Yes, what? Yes, man of God. Uh-huh. No, not Hebrew 9. Okay, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, uh huh. In Acts chapter 7, uh huh. Uh, You're on your way, sir, but it's the similarity. You're about to do a difference. No, similarity. You're you're, You're very close to it. There is a word that is very similar in both reading, a similar word. A similar word in both reading. Huh? It's just be careful. A similar word. You know, you know what synonym is? You know synonyms? Oh, the, oh, Lord, 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 Lord. Uh, I just, don't worry, don't do the study again. Some of you are not using KJV. KJV is the one that Jesus anointed. That's a joke. <laughs> okay, let me show you. Okay, uh, let me show you. So, in Acts chapter 7, so you see this word, fashion, Right? Huh? Fashion. Now, go to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. Some of you have said, ah, you did not call me, that's why. Hebrews 8, verse 4. So it says, for if you were, verse 5, verse 5, no time, verse 5. So it says, who serve unto what? Example and what? Shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, see, see, said he, that thou make all things according to pattern. You see that? That is exactly a similarity with what Stephen was teaching. Are you following? So, write this down. Write this down. The Bible teachers, the Bible teachers, Spoke of, just write it. Bible teachers, that is the, the teachers in the Bible, spoke of the temple in the Old Testament as one example, two shadow, three pattern. Example, shadow, and pattern. Are you there? Huh? Now, in Hebrews 8, did you see that the author says in Hebrews 8, verse 4, no, verse 5, he says, an example and shadow of what? Heavenly things. Shadow, an example of heavenly things. Okay, now... The word example 
is the word copy. Copy, that word, example, is the word copy. Copy. So, so whatever Moses did, okay, whatever Moses did is a copy, not the real thing. Amen? Is a copy. Say copy. You know, there's a difference when you go to a photocopy place between original. You know, there's a difference, right? So, whatever Moses did in the text of the Old Testament is a copy. Are you following? He says a copy. He now uses a shadow. The word shadow means a covering. It's the word sky. It means darkness, actually. So, something is covering something. That's the word. Are you following? Huh? So, copy. So it's the same thing. Shadow and copy, same thing. So it's shadow of heavenly things. Now, so when, when, when the writer says a shadow of heavenly things, it means that um, if you see my shadow, right? If you see my shadow, for example, have you seen me? Huh? No, if you are look, not, don't look at me. When you look at my shadow, do you say that's me? Abba, don't say, but you are there now. That's not the question. <laughs> Let me cheat my Bible, please, before you overthink it for me. Okay? So if you look at my shadow, you will not, that's not exactly who I am. So shadow is something that covers something in darkness. Okay? That's what shadow means. Darkness. That is, you will not see clearly. Eh? You will not see it clearly. So you will not see what Moses is talking about, really, when you just stay with the Old Testament. Huh? Okay. So, <clears throat> now, by Moses using the word shadow, example, and copy, it means that what was going on in the Old Testament is a symbol of something. That is, that practice is symbolizing something. Are you following? What is that thing? You may say, but God said, calm down, calm down. I'll show you. Calm down. So, <clears throat> go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 8. Don't worry, there's no time. Let's, let's move on. There's no time. There's no time. I'm sorry. Forget collusions. You understand what I've said so far, B? Let's just move. Let's move. I just want to re-emphasize that, but there's no need. Okay, so. Now. The, so the reality, let's, let's, take, let's come back a bit. The reality of the shadow is going to be found in the spirit, right? Remember, eh? worship in spirit and truth, right? The reality will be found in Christ, okay? What Moses is trying to depict, right, or was trying to create a copy for will be found in the spirit. Do you agree? Eh? Do you agree? Okay. That's, that's just important. So they are shadows. Okay, now. 
So, Moses presented a copy. Moses presented a copy and a dark impression of the reality of the temple. I'll say it again. Moses presented a copy and a dark impression of the reality of the temple. Now, let me give you a fun fact. Do you know that Moses never worshipped in that temple? Moses never went there. That's number one fun fact. Number two fun fact is that Moses never sacrificed any animal. And he told them to do it. It's like, you know that thing, talk and do. <laughs> talk no do or something like that. Moses never did it. Moses never did any animal offering. In fact, Moses gave them a high priest. He was, he was senior to the high priest. <laughs> yes, he's his brother. He just called his brother. Oh, come, daddy, you do that priest for them. Yeah. Do you know that in this, in this thing about Moses and Aaron, God was the one that was talking to Moses. God never spoke to Aaron. I thought he's high priest. A high priest is supposed to be the one that was supposed to be talking to God. <laughs> he's supposed to be. But nothing like that happened. Why? I, let's find out now. Now, look at the writer of Hebrews. And look at what he says. Hebrews chapter 3. So Moses built a temple and he didn't worship there. Now look at Hebrews chapter 3. Are you there? Are you there? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 3. He's talking about Moses. If you read verse 2, he's talking about Moses. Let's read from verse 2. Who was faithful to him, that he was faithful to Jesus, that's verse 1, that appointed him as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man, referring to Moses, was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. So he's saying Jesus was counted more glory than Moses. Are you following? Huh? So he says, Inasmuch as he who had builded the house had more honor than the house. Verse 4. Pay attention now to verse 4. For every house is builded by some man. But he that built all things is what? Is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of what? Of those things huh? which were to be spoken after. So Moses was faithful in all his house of things that we are going to talk about later. Are you following? Huh? Of things that we are going to talk about. Are you following? Now look at, look at the next thing. But Christ, as a son over what? Uh-huh. Whose house are we? Oh, we are. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so he tells us that we are God's house. Right? That's what he tells us. He says, if we hold fast the confidence and the region of hope unto the end. So, 
But the point is, the writer of Hebrews already tells us that Moses, huh? Moses, the things that Moses did were things that we are going to talk about it. So they were not permanent. Are you following? We are going to talk about it. Huh? Okay. So, <clears throat> see that, first of all, see that this thing is easy now. Not that one I will do like this with the mic. Hmm? Thank you, sir. For, because I listened to the teaching yesterday and um, my voice was going away from the teaching. Ah, why? So, so verse 5 says of Hebrews 3, he says, for a testimony. The word testimony, the word testimony referred to a witness that we are going to explain. That's what it means, to witness something. That is, what, what Moses said. Mo, whatever Moses said and did, we are going to talk about it. Okay. So, now, verse 6. Okay, we've read verse 6. We've read verse 6. So, in the temple of the Old Testament, in the temple of the Old Testament, the high priest goes into the tabernacle, right? To offer sacrifices. We have seen that that is a copy. That is a shadow, right? Okay. Now, pay attention to what I'm about to say. The high priest, please, please, I'm about to go to the end of my teaching today. So I need you to understand this one. Now, in the Old Testament, the high priest goes into the tabernacle, right? Huh? And he offers a sacrifice. In the new covenant, who is our high priest? Now, pause. In the new covenant, who is the house of God? So where did Christ go? There's no temple in heaven. Christ came into our hearts and offered his sacrifice. That's the end of my teaching. We can go home now. <laughs> but let's explain. Let's explain. So I purposely said that because I want you to carry that understanding now. Eh? I want you to carry that understanding. We just saw in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4 or 5, that we are God's house. Right? Just as how the... I, I remember that was a shadow. Just as how the high priest is going into to offer the, the, the sacrifices in the tabernacle. There's another high priest, the permanent one. Hmm? He goes into another house that will belong to the Father. Eh? And he will offer a perfect sacrifice to perfect men. Are you following? So let's, let's, let's carry on. Let's now explain. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So Christ wouldn't be going to a physical house, will he? Will he? He won't, he won't. He will be going into men's hearts. He will be going into men's hearts. Okay. 
Now, we just saw that. So why then did Moses give them a tabernacle? Why then did Moses give them a temple? Why? Now, in Luke chapter 24, please go there. Luke 24. I want to establish something and I answer your question, answer this question. In Luke 24. Are we there? The Bible says, verse 25. He says, All fools and slow of heart, not you guys, he's talking to his disciples, to believe, right? All that the prophets have spoken. So that means that the prophets, right, spoke things of faith, right? Because Jesus used the word believe. Eh? So whatever the prophet, now he's talking about the Old Testament, whatever the prophet said were things that pertain to the gospel because faith is found in the gospel, right? So he says, to, and so of her, to believe all that the prophet have spoken. Please, verse 26. Ought not Christ, right, to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 27. And beginning at where? And all the what? He expounded unto them the things concerning himself. Okay? So Jesus just tells us that both Moses and the prophets spoke about the gospel. Now, who would they be telling the gospel to? Who would they be telling the gospel to? The people, the children of Israelites, right? They will be preaching the gospel to them. You understand? And we have that document today. You understand? Now, look at verse 44 of this same chapter. In verse 44, Jesus said, These are the words which I have spoken unto you while I was yet with you, which were what? Written in the law of Moses, uh -huh, the Psalms, uh -huh, and the prophets concerning me. So the gospel are in the Old Testament. The message of the gospel are in the Old Testament. And they said it to the people. So let me say this. That means, pay attention now. That means, the message of eternal life is in the gospel, is in the Old Testament. The message of God living in us is in the Old Testament. Do you understand? The, uh, the prophet taught it. But if that is so, why is it that we cannot see it clearly? Just like how we see it in Hebrews. Just like how we see it in the epistles. The answer is that the people that they spoke the gospel to rejected the gospel. By rejecting the gospel, huh? by rejecting the gospel, the prophets still communicated the gospel. But they did not communicate it in clear speech. They communicated it in pictures, in shadows, copies. Are you following? Emoji, don't sleep. Okay? They communicated it in shadows, in copies. Are you following? Now let me show you. Hebrews 4. 
Let's, let's see. Hebrews 4. Quickly. Hebrews chapter 4. Thank you, sir. Father, where is my real G? <laughs> thank, thank you so much, sir. Hebrews 4. Are we there? Okay. Look at verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us ent entering into Israel. Any of, of you should seem to come short of it. Verse 2 now. Pay attention to verse 2. For unto us was the gospel what? As unto them, as a caller, we explain the gospel to us in more detail tomorrow. It says, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. The them, if you read chapter 3, is talking about the people of Israel. Okay? It says, Unto them, but what? The word preached did not profit them. Mm -hmm. It says, Not being what? Mixed with faith in them that heard it. This is an example that they rejected the gospel. Another text of scripture, if you want to read further, you can, check, you can just write it down, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, okay? You can just write it down for further study that supports what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Are you following? So, the gospel, right, was communicated to the people of Israel, and they rejected the gospel. Hence, the prophet did not say, well, there's nothing we can do. No. They still communicated it in pictures in shadows. Do you know that Jesus did the same thing? In Matthew, don't go there, we can write it down. In Matthew chapter 13, in Matthew 13, Jesus began to speak to the people in parables. Did not ask Jesus, why are you speaking to them in parables? Then Jesus said, well, because their heart is waxed gross. Parables, you can read it, Matthew 13, and if you want to back, you want to also, you know, go further in your study, you read Mark chapter 4, you see there. No, Mark 11, Mark 11, not Mark 4, Mark 11. Parables are not meals for children of the kingdom. Stories. Somebody will tell you that, that's why, I'm sorry, I'm really, really sorry if I, what I'm about to offend you. I'm really sorry, okay? I've already said it. Please, I'm sorry. Amen? That is why the gospel cannot be communicated via movies. You can't communicate the gospel in pictures. It is impossible. Okay, how do you want to tell me that Jesus came into my heart? How do you want to dramatize it? No, tell me. How do you, 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 want, to, you want to build a house? You're, like, you're doing Moses. You're, you're about to do Moses. But can you watch movie and you can learn something? Yes. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying. But you cannot use movies to communicate the gospel. Neither. <laughs> Pastor, you like trouble. <laughs> no. It came from... Uh, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> the gospel, if it is so, Guys, if it is so, if the gospel can be communicated through those things, eh, Jesus would have told us, 
Go in therefore and dramatize, showcase. He said, go in therefore and preach words. Say words, say words. Words. God communicated internal life in words. Amen? So if your ministry is drama, okay, keep on acting. Amen? <laughs> eh? I know. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, no, act. Okay, oh, sorry, Loreto. I, I hope I'm forgiving. I mean, it's drama. Who? Ah, sorry, sorry. Okay, keep, keep acting. No, I'm not in case. Keep acting, okay? Keep acting. But don't. You can go, we can act and be like, wow, nice. Ever <laughs> preach. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So, <clears throat> So in the gospel, listen now, in the gospel, we see that the tabernacle of God is man, right? We see that the temple of God is man. But the children of Israel, like those guys, if you read Hebrews chapter 7, sorry, um, Acts chapter 7, Stephen writes and says that these people are stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked means Stubborn, weak goats, eh? obstinate. That's why I, I respect Moses. Imagine you have that kind of congregation. You are a pastor. God, Moses was a pastor. You know, leading those kind of people. Honestly, I don't feel bad that Moses did not enter the promised land. <laughs> Honestly, I don't feel. I feel like God, that thing is a blessing to Moses. Honestly. <laughs> I'm telling you. Exactly. I'm telling you. See those guys? Uh, even their descendants have interacted with their descendants. They are stubborn. I don't know their descendants. I don't know if you, if you can stop the record, you can. But their descendants are Arabs now. Huh? Yeah, they are the same. Very stubborn people. Uh. So, anyway. <clears throat> So, so in the gospel, so because of this, so let's go back here. So because of that, we did not see the message clearly in the text of the Old Testament. Now, another text that you want to read for your study, if, if you want to see how the text of the Old Testament was communicated, you can read Psalm 78, right? Psalm 78 verse 1 and 2. You will see there that um, the, the communication of the way the Old Testament was preached, was preached in shadows, darkness. The Bible calls it dark speeches, things that are not clear. Not that that is what God wanted, no. Right, it's not God, it's not God. Do you understand? It's not God. It is the prophets, right, that adopted that style to still preach the gospel to the people. You understand? Like I said, Jesus also did it in Matthew chapter 13. He used parables, okay, to do it. If you, if you, read, if you read very carefully in what Jesus said, he said that unto them are, are parables given, but unto us the mystery of the kingdom is said. That's what Jesus said. So there's a distinction between the mystery of the kingdom and the parables of the kingdom. Okay? Why it is called parables of the kingdom is that they are still talking about kingdom, right? But they are saying it in a, in a, yes, in stories. So it is, it is veiled, okay? It is veiled. Okay. Now let's, let's move on quickly. Guys, is it clear so far? Please let me see your hand if it's clear. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, <clears throat> so Moses preached to, to them 
but they rejected it. So they were in unbelief. 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 When you believe the gospel, believing the gospel means that you put the work huh, of saving on another man and not on yourself. That's what believe means. I trust you to do it. Hmm? But unbelief, it is a dependent on self works. That's what unbelief is. You depend on yourself. That's unbelief. You don't trust. So, by the people rejecting Moses' message, right? Moses now said, okay. So, can we say that the people also rejected that they will not be the temples of God? Can we say that? You can say that because they rejected the gospel. So, by doing that, Moses now said, where? You will not build your own temple. You will do the work. Labor. Works. Now, you know there was no depiction. Let me just give you an understanding of what I just said. When somebody believes the gospel is saved, right? When somebody does not believe the gospel is condemned, isn't it? Now, in the Old Testament, that statement did not play out clearly about the condemnation because the people rejected it. Well, we didn't see, they didn't, like, we didn't see that maybe they were going to hell or things like that. No. Moses showed the condemnation by giving the law. Okay? That's why he says the law, right, condemns. It reveals your iniquity. That was the condemnation. He gave them the law. As true as the law is, because the law, if you read the law, it's so good. You understand? But the law is not given to the man of faith. Do you understand? So Moses depicted the consequence of their rejection in the law. You understand? Because they could not do it. Amen? Are you following? Okay. So, So when you believe, let's just talk about this for a bit. When you believe, the responsibility is on the person that gave you a promise. Right? Our responsibility is just to believe and receive. God does the work. Amen? In the work of salvation, the work of redemption is not by man, but for man. Hmm? When a man rejects it, he has said that he wants to become his savior. And you can't save yourself. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Jonah chapter 1 verse 9 says, Salvation is of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. So, so, let us stay in the book of Hebrews and let us establish some truths. So we have seen that the idea of the temple that you see in the text of the Old Testament was as a result of unbelief. But the next question, if you're a Bible student, you should be asking me is that, but there were miracles, right? Huh? Clouds, right? There were all those wonderful works. Would you say that that is God? Huh? 
Let's find out. Are you ready? Let's, let's close that quickly. Let's close that. Okay. So, <clears throat> Amen. Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. Let's quickly look at that one. Okay, before that, please write this down. This should bless you about the law I was explaining. I just explained it. I, I, I wrote it in my notes. The rejection of God's promise or the rejection of the gospel produced the law, performance, to do something. The rejection of God's promise produced the law. And that is performance, to be able to do something. The law of Moses isn't found in the promise of God, in the promises of God. So, let's now go back to what we want to look at. Why were the miracles and all those things, those signs happen? So go to Galatians chapter 3 now. Galatians chapter 3. Is everybody with me, please? Huh? I just noticed that there's an anointed man of God among us. I just noticed now. I just saw that there was, there was an heavenly presence. <laughs> my God, you know, once I'm here like this, Pastor Marcus has been trying to say he's going to embarrass me soon. <laughs> but once me I'm here like this, I will do what I what I'm led to. Galatians chapter 3. Let's see something. Galatians chapter 3. Good to have you, man of God. You should sit down. Please, you should give the man of God his seat. <laughs> Galatians chapter 3. Are we there? Hmm? Let's read verse 19. You can read from verse 17 if you want some context to it. So let's read from verse 17. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, that's the covenant that was made to Abraham, which is the covenant of the gospel. He says, in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul it, cannot disannul it, that it should be, what am I reading? Cannot disannul, that it should be make, that should make the promise of non-effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Now pay attention to verse 19. This is where I'm going. Wherefore then, serve the law. It was added because of what? You can see. Sin. Okay? So that's what, that's why Moses gave it. He says, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. So it goes back to the law. And it was ordained by what? By what? By angels in the hand of a mediator. So, there is a, listen carefully to what I'm saying now. There is a supernatural element outside the gospel, outside the message of the gospel that Moses communicated in the Old Testament. I'll say it again. There is a supernatural element outside the gospel 
that Moses preached in the Old Testament. Outside it. Paul says the law was ordained eh? by what? Angels. Angels is the supernatural element. Okay? Angels. Are you following? Okay. Now go back to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. So, verse, let us read from verse 38. So he says, this is he, well, let's read from verse 37. Um, no, no, let's start from 35, please. I just want to give you a full context of what I want to read. Verse 35. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, who made thee, who, who made thee, This Moses, whom they refuse, so they refuse Moses. They're talking about his message. Whom they refuse, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same God, the same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer. By what? Uh -huh. Which appeared to him in the bush. Guys, when you <laughs> don't worry, he brought them out after that. He had showed wonders and signs. If I were you, I would underline that verse 35 and go and study it. If I were you. There's something there that you should be asking yourself a question. But that's not in this study. I'm sorry. He says, He brought them out after that he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt, in the Red Sea, and in the wilderness, 40 years. That is, this is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God rise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall he hear. Are you saying that? He's, talk, he's talking about Jesus now. Okay? So he says, This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. With what? Ah, oh, you are distracted now. Come on. Follow me. He says, This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. With what? Good. Which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. To whom? Our fathers would not, what? Obey. But trust him for them. And in their heart, turn back into Egypt. The point I want you to see, two points here, is that number one, the people, Stephen already teaches us that the people rejected Moses, his message. But one of the things I want you to also see, in that rejection, there, were, there was a ministration of angels. Right? You see, angels appeared twice, 35 and 38. Nine, right? Or 38, okay? Do you, do you see that? So angels appear there. So there was in the Old Testament, or during the time of Moses, right, there was a ministration of angels, okay? And I'm going to show you a text that you can read later. The writing of Moses is two-factor. That is, is branched in two. The writing of Moses is branched in two. One, is that it focuses on the gospel of Jesus, okay? 
the message. The other is that, did you get that one? Okay. The other is that it also focuses on the consequence of rejecting the gospel. John chapter 5, verse 45. You can open it if you want to, but if you want to check it out, you can open it. John chapter 5, verse 45. To 46. So, if you can just check it down and read later. So, John chapter 5, verse 45 to 46. You see that Jesus also talked about that. Moses wrote about me, but also accused the people. So, you see that. You see there. So, so, there is one that shows that he preached to them. Another that shows that he rejected the gospel. I've said that. Okay. So. I wanted to say something, but you've already understood it, so let's carry on. <laughs> Praise God. So, are we meant to worship angels? Anybody that tell you that an angel appeared to me and told me that I should eat bread for seven days. Well, bread is good. That's Jesus' best food, sure you know. You don't know? Uh, that's Jesus' best Everywhere he went, do you have bread? Do you have bread? <laughs> and fish, he likes sardine. <laughs> uh, you think I'm lying? Read Luke 24. When he appeared, he asked them, do you have bread? <laughs> so anybody that used to say that God's best food is praise, he doesn't know God. He's bread. <laughs> Please, I don't know whether that is by revelation or by the flesh. Huh? <laughs> but let's carry on. Okay. So, now, Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 8. Now, we have established something, right? So, the house of God is who? Ah, we are already getting things of the spirit. We are not, no, um, no, uh, praise God. No sweat, bell. Pick it up, pick it up. Praise God. Don't, I've told you, I don't know, I didn't say it. I always say it in every catatismus. We are not here to form you. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a tush guy. Tush guy don't shout. We don't do things like that. <laughs> you know that things, right? <laughs> you know, don't, don't, don't say that, okay? No. We're all, we're all, uh, we're all believers here. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. So, this is, this is our home. Amen? No for me. Praise God. Feel free. You know, say, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really shout like that. Mm. Where I'm from... We don't do such things. Give <laughs> me, these people in front. They want me to be canon. <laughs> okay. So Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 8. <laughs> Let's see something there. Hebrews chapter 8. So we are the house of God. Say, I'm the house of God. All right. Where we are going to are things that happen in the house. That's from tomorrow. We we'll begin to examine the things that happen in God's house. Praise God. You know, one of the things that happen in God's house is joy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. We're going to see it. Amen. Praise God. All right. So, write, write this down. 
let's just, so just get into what we want to write. Just write this down. God never dwelt in a temple. All the, all the, all the, that's a physical building. All the things that we see in the text of the Old Testament, the miracles, those signs and wonders, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, there were things that were being done by an angel through Moses, okay? You understand? Moses was given the instruction, the angel was executing it. Praise God. Uh-huh. So, so, everything, please listen to what I want to say now. Everything that Moses built, okay? In the Old Testament, the tabernacle, the, all those things, everything that Moses built, it was meant for Jesus to do. Jesus would build his church. Huh? Are you getting what I'm saying? But Moses, because they've rejected that, right? Moses now told them to do it. Are you following? So, now, let me, let me just give you... Okay, let's, let's leave that. So, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 8. The book of Hebrews does a construct for us to see. Ideally, if you, want to, if you want to study this book, know that this book of Hebrew is a book of comparison. Okay? It compares things. It will compare the Old Testament and the New Testament. It will compare the practices of the Old Testament and compare it with the New Testament. And it will say that this is permanent and this is eternal. Remember, we started with true, right? True. So we want to see it now again. So Hebrews chapter 8, verse one now of the things which we have spoken of we are going to run now okay let's 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 run now of the things which we have spoken of this is the song we have such an high priest who is sat on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle now let me just say something here there was a question that somebody asked that um if we say that heaven is not a place, then when, when, when people die, where did they go to? Okay, so let me rephrase that statement, okay? So, for you to understand, heaven is not just a place, okay? Does that answer your question now? So, heaven is not just a place. It's more than that, amen? So, f- to help your understanding, okay? Just to help your understanding, of course. That, to the person that asked this question, if I was talking to uh, some people, with, with the level of my spiritual understanding, I would not say what I just said. But it is okay eh, to say heaven is not just a place. We can say heaven is a place, but it's more than that. Eh? Okay? If you, want, if you want to study the Bible, study the word heaven in the Bible, then you'll get the clarity. I just want to say that because of... It's gone. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. So it says, We have such an high priest who is sat on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister of the sanctuary. And of what? And of what? What does true mean? Permanent. He says, which what? The Lord what? The word pitch is what? Set up. Built. Established. And not what? Man. So there is a true tabernacle that the Lord built. And that tabernacle that the Lord built is a tabernacle not made by man. Are you following? 
a tabernacle that Jesus did himself. Are you following? And that tabernacle, he says, now, so he says, for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it's of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that they were priests that offer gifts according to the law. Now, <clears throat> we've read that. So, the book of Hebrews is doing this comparison between the high priesthood of Jesus, right, and the priest, high priesthood of Aaron. And he's saying that the high priesthood ministry of Jesus is permanent, is eternal, right? Because that tabernacle of Aaron is what? It goes away. It doesn't last, right? It's not reality. Now, So, now, now the high priesthood, pay attention, the high priesthood, please listen to me guys, the high priesthood of Aaron, now, Aaron does something every day of atonement. He takes blood huh, to the holiest of all, or the holy place, right, and put it on the mercy seat, isn't it, right? And the sin of the people is atoned for in one year. You can see that in Leviticus, I think Leviticus 16. I'm not sure, but that's where it is. Now, now if you, if you are not careful, you would think Jesus came to replace Aaron. No. Jesus did not come to replace Aaron. Because if you say so, you are saying that Aaron's tabernacle is true. Eh? That's replacement. Do you understand? So he says, so you would think that Jesus also, when he dies and is raised from the dead, he will go to a tabernacle eh? and also put blood on the mercy seat. No, no such thing. Amen? Remember, the tabernacle is who? Man, the believer. Eh? Remember, man, then he becomes a believer. Anyone? Okay. So, <clears throat> Now, so let us find out. You know, I already, I've already given you the answer, right? What I'm doing now is explanation. I want to show you how... So if Jesus is not going into a physical building, right? And he's going into our heart. Let's see it. You know, I, you, can just, I can, you can just do the permutation and say, okay, that's it. But I want to show you in the scripture so you see it. So go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Remember, we are the house of God. So see Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1. We're going to read quickly. It's a long read, so we're just going to jump verses. If you want to read it at home, you want to study it at home, you can study it at home later. Verse 1. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of what? And a worldly what? Sanctuary. A word, that's a worldly temple. For there was a tabernacle made first, made the first wearing was the candlestick and the table and the showbread which is called the sanctuary okay and after the second veil the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all and the, so he's telling you the things that were inside that worldly tabernacle right so let's uh, we don't need to put our head now go to verse 5 and over it the cherubims 
of the glory shadowing, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot speak particularly. Now, pay attention from verse 6, brothers and sisters. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself, and for the errors of what? Of the people. So, now, look at verse 8. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was what? Abba. So why was the priest going? Hey. The writer tells us that the Holy Ghost was telling us that by doing those things in the Old Testament, the way into the holiest of all was not made manifest. Are you following? Are you guys with me? Don't sleep, please. It's very important. So, whatever they were doing, the Holy Ghost was saying, not it. This is not it. This is not it. Are you seeing it? This is not it. Okay. Now, <clears throat> so you say, what was all the sacrificing for? Because the most important thing in the temple was the holiest of all. That's how you know that, ah, well, this year, the Lord has helped us. You understand? Because your sin has been atoned for one year. Isn't it? So, sorry, for those who don't know me, or well, miss, thank God. I'm sorry, I just remembered I'm not. So, <clears throat> so the Holy Ghost was saying that this is not it. This is not the real deal. Now, he says, the Holy Ghost this signifying that the way to the Holy Spirit was not yet manifest. Why? The first tabernacle was yet what? Standing. So he was telling us that the way of into the holiest of all was not open. Because the first temple or that temple was still there. Are you following? It was still there. Okay. So let me ask you. Do you think sins were really being paid for when the high priest went into the holiest of all? No. It was all a charade. That Moses told them to do to signify that they are in unbelief. That's it. No sin was being paid for. Huh? Because the only thing that, that can take away sin, even in the Old Testament, it is faith. Ask Abraham, he will tell you. Ask David, he will tell you. He said, blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute sin. In Psalms, they didn't talk about Hanima. He didn't, he didn't mention Hanima. Praise God. Are you following? The same thing with Moses. Why do you, why, why do you think Moses didn't go there? He knew that there's nothing there, Jared. He got to a point, Moses, Moses had seen all everything. He said, bros, show me your glory. Exodus chapter 33. He told Moses, he told, he told God, he said, show me, I want to. I, somebody who has seen miracles, he has seen the sea divided. He has seen 
Earthquake. Say, who's on the Lord's side? Come here. You will say, yeah. Ground open. You are seeing everything. See, Bible scholars believe that the reason why Moses, um, they didn't know where Moses was buried or where he died was because if they had known, the children of Israel would have turned that place to a temple and they would be worshipping it. It's true. Because those people were largely idol worshippers. Uh-uh. You don't know? You think it's only God they were worshipping? It's when their head is correct or they remember God. Can't read it now. Why, why do you think they kill the prophets? Jesus even said, Oh Jerusalem, you have murdered your prophets. Because they were telling them, don't worship idol. They were really idolaters. I'll be idolaters. The English is not there. Amen. Praise God. So, so sin was not being atoned for. Now, let's, let's read on. Let's read, let's read, let's read. Verse 9. He says, Which was a figure for the time present in which were offered both what? Gift and sacrifice. That what? That what? That could not make him that did the service what? As pertaining to where? The conscience, the consciousness of the man. So he's saying that those sacrifices could not perfect even the, the conscience of the man. When he says conscience, he's talking about the very man. He could not be made perfect. Have you seen it? Huh? Perfection was not found in that. Praise God. Now see. Now, verse 10. He says, which stood only in meat and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinance imposed on them until the time of reformation. Notice he says imposed. That's the law. <laughs> Notice. So he says, impose on them. Now verse 11. But what? But what? Christ. Come and I priest of what? Of good things to come. By a greater and more. Not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. Neither by the blood of goats and calves. But by his own blood. He entered into once. Into the holy place. Having what? Obtain eternal redemption for us. Now you may say, okay, the holy place is heaven. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Remember, the high priest, right? The high priest goes into the holy place for his consciousness, right? Okay, now let's read. He says, verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of Aphron sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more? Are you there? Shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, who through what? Sorry. Who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to what? To serve the living God. So he says that Jesus by his spirit did what? Purged our conscience. He put our consciousness. He did it by what? By what? By spirit. Now, when he says that, verse 12. Let's see something in verse 12. I want to, I want to, I want to pay attention to it. So, he says, He put your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, 
uh, when he says conscience, he's talking about, again, our very core. Not just your, your conscience, but no. The word conscience there is what consciousness. is referring to your soul, the whole totality of a man. So Jesus Christ, by his spirit, purged our conscience in our Now, he did it in our hearts. Praise God. He did it in our hearts. When Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, huh? when he was raised from the dead, he came in. People say, oh, that he ascended up on high. Do you know? When the Bible says he ascended up on high, the ascension of the Christ is that he ascended in the believer. That was the goal. That is Christ's ascension. The glorification of the Father. This is, I will show you the text if you want me to explain because I'm looking at my time. The glorification of the Christ is that the believer, right, is glorified with him. That glorification is by the Spirit of God. So that's why he said, Abba, verse 13, 13. 14, 14, 14. Sorry, sorry. He says, how much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit? Let me ask you a question. When, where was Jesus Christ's blood shed? Eh? On the cross of Calvary? Eh? Uh, they've thought I, 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 well, I watched the, the video now. Uh, Pastor, he got it. He should answer the question. He thought it. Where was Jesus Christ's blood shed? On the cross? Because his blood was shed many places. Oh. When he gave it to him, blood was shed there. Amen? Praise God. So it's not the cross. Let's find out quickly. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. One minute, please. Just give me a minute. Let me just uh, get there. Hebrews chapter 10. He says, Now, the blood of Jesus, I've thought this before so many times, the blood of Jesus, right? When you say the blood of Jesus, is it, if I, if I, if I choke myself now, no blood will come out. That's, that's the blood of Holy Medic, right? Okay. So the blood of Jesus that takes away sin, amen? Is it going to be the blood that if they choke him, that's the blood that will take away sin? Huh? It can't be. You know? So those people that say, I drink the blood, what's uh, oh, sorry. Ah, somebody warned me of this on Sunday. Ah, maybe I should not say this part. <laughs> so, uh, so it can't be physical blood, right? So, let us think, right? Let's think. Blood can be equated to what? Biological, huh? Life, right? Okay. So, so let us change it. Huh? Let's change it. What is the life 
of Jesus. Huh? Yes, see, no. The spirit. Uh -huh. The life of Jesus will be his spirit, isn't it? Right? Because life can be equated to spirits, right? Okay. So the life of Jesus will be his spirit. Amen? So when we say the blood of Jesus, we'll be referring to the spirit of Christ. You know the Bible calls, there's a biblical term called the spirit of Christ. The spirit of the Son. Good. So, that means, now, forgiveness of sin, right, is done, right, by the shedding of blood. Shedding does not mean, shedding means distribution, right? Because if you look at it, in the practice of the Old Testament, there was, Moses would do, he would sprinkle, right? You see, this, in this place we are reading about this whole time, he would sprinkle it, okay? Come aside. So the shedding of the blood of Christ will be Jesus giving his spirit. Huh? Amen? Will be Jesus giving his spirit to man. Are you following? So that means that the blood of Jesus is the spirit of Christ. So how do we know that our sins, sorry, how do we know that our sins have been forgiven? The spirit of God is in our heart. Do you understand? So when he says that Jesus Christ went into a true tabernacle, it's saying that Jesus Christ came into us by spirit. That's why we are forgiven. Do you understand? Okay. So, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, say, somebody say, can never. Say it with, can never. With those sacrifices which they offer year by year, continually make the commas thereon to what? Perfect. Perfection cannot come there. Verse 2. For then, would, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshippers once purged should have no more what? Conscience of sin. The word there is consciousness, actually. Consciousness of sin. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again of sins every year. Okay. Now, so he says there is a remembrance. So Moses gave them a temple to remind them of their sins, of their unbelief. That's why he did it. Say, <laughs> so you want to reject me? You want to reject the gospel? You will remember it today. I've told you that the giving of the law is a punishment. Moses was doing it on purpose to show condemnation that they were condemned. <laughs> so, he gave them, and although he also gave them the gospel, what does the gospel say? Your sins and your iniquity, I will remember more. That's the gospel. Your sins and your iniquity, I will remember no more. I will remember it no more. See, let me give you a fun fact. The word remember, where I just quoted from is Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13 and 14. Where it says your sins and you can't remember no more. Eh? That word, remember, a fun fact, is not like God will say, Oh, I've forgotten about it. I've forgotten about it. The word is not I've forgotten about it. The word is, it doesn't exist. It was never there. That's the word. In the Greek, that's, it is like you never even did it. And that thing is eternal. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> now, so verse 5 of this text, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Wherefore, 
when he cometh into the world, he's talking about Jesus. He says, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body as thou prepared me. So he says, I don't want sacrifice and offering, right? I want a body. Now go on. In burnt offering and sacrifice for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. This is Isaiah chapter 1. This text is Isaiah chapter 1. He says, I had no pleasure in it. Why? Because it was not doing anything. It wasn't doing anything at all. Verse 7. Then said, Lo, I come in the volume of the books. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Quickly. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering, and burnt offering, an offering for sin thou wouldest not. Neither as pleasure. Which were? Which are offered by the law. Okay? It says, it says, then says, go to verse 10, please. Verse 10. Just, just. So it says, verse 10, verse 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the blood of Jesus Christ. How many times? How many times? Once and for all. The sacrifice of Jesus has forgiven humanity sins forever. Listen, what God expects from man is to believe it. That is why it is called the good news. So a man that re rejects it is a man that is saying, one, either I don't have sin or I don't believe one person can just take away all the sins of the whole world. So Jesus offered his blood in our hearts. He offered his blood in our hearts by giving us his spirit. We became the holy place of God. Say, I'm the holy place of God. I am the holy place of God. God perfected us forever. We are God's own house. We are God's own house. You wake up every morning. You look at yourself. You say, God lives here. That's what you say. God lives here. The life of the Holy Ghost is expressed in this tabernacle. That's what you say. That's what you say. You don't look at yourself as someone who is trying to get God to get to, 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 to get God to know him. Uh-uh. You are born of the Holy Ghost. You are born of the Spirit of God. The activities of the Spirit flows in you effortlessly. Do you know why? You are God's house. You are God's house. You say, I'm not sure. I don't know. You see, the problem is knowledge. The more you get acquainted with that truth, the more you follow God. The more you follow God. The more you yield to his spirit. So you don't say, I want to go to the presence of God. No. When we come together like this, we come together with the reality that God is with and in us. That's why we come together. That's why we come together. I told the brother, is God everywhere? He said, yes. I said, no. God is not everywhere. Why? God is not in here. Is God in here? God is not in here. Why is, why is God in here? God doesn't even know what's going on there. 
down. Because the location of God is in man. Wherever that man who is born of God is, God's presence is there. I remember a man of God. I can't remember his name. I remember now. A. Allen. A. Allen. In casting out demons. One of the miracles of A. One of the signs and wonders that God did through A. Allen. He doesn't say in the name of Jesus. He doesn't say that. He will say A. Allen is here. And demons will cry out. It's, let me tell you guys, guys, guys. It's not that A. Allen was very special to God. Uh-uh. He is identified, he has understood that in Christ the resources of the resurrection is here. Is here. The resources of the resurrection is here. When, 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 when you begin to learn about evangelism tomorrow, the reason why you preach the gospel is because you now understand that the hope of the world has been given to you. That's why. The reason why you will not change the gospel from motivation, like Allah was saying, or business, is because you understand those things cannot save humanity from darkness. It can't. It's only by the Holy Ghost a man will receive salvation. It's only by the Holy Ghost a man can walk in the Spirit. The anointing of the Spirit of God has been given to every man to make manifest it in the world. It's your right and privilege. It's your right and privilege. Anybody that tells you, oh, you have to press, you have to this. Look, pressing in prayer is not for the manifestation of the Spirit. Don't get it wrong. The idea of prayer, right, is so that you, as an individual, you will be sensitive to those manifestations. It's not that so that the gift of the Spirit will... No! We are getting there. Getting here because the Bible calls the gift of the spirit, he calls it charismine in the Greek, meaning something that is freely given. A charisma, it's not that charisma is not like I can talk, that's not that's not the Bible, huh? That's not how the Bible is. Charisma is something that it is with you, it is part of you, you are it's your inheritance. So you pray, you spend hours in prayer. Not because you want to get ready so that uh, if, if I don't pray, then that's when the gift of the Spirit, you are doing works. You are doing works. You are growing. At the end of the day, you will glorify the self. You will see. They will ask you, ah, man of God, how do you do it? <laughs> Spend about 12 hours praying. You will glorify yourself. How are you? Ah, sorry. <laughs> I forgot I'm pretty. <laughs> are you listening to me? That is what the Bible calls it. It calls it the charisma of the Spirit. It calls it the charisma of the Spirit. Something that is part and parcel of the new birth. Amen. That's why Peter will say, we are a spiritual house. A house of the Spirit. Again, that's why we don't let us, let us get into the Spirit. Get where? where okay, where are you? In your understanding, in your thinking, in your words, you can say things of the flesh, right? But doesn't mean you are in the flesh. You should not say things of the flesh, okay? But you are in the spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 8 to 9. But you are in the spirit. If the spirit of God dwells in you, 
Don't be Bible talker. Amen? Praise God. So, when it comes to the manifestation of God's Spirit, listen carefully to me. He did it in redemption. He came into our heart. Praise God. I showed you yesterday in John chapter 14. We are the house of God. Praise God. Praise God. Are you blessed? Okay. Praise God. So, say I'm the holiest of all. Say it very well. I'm the holiest of all. Somebody say, ah, man of God, you don't know what I did yesterday. Oga, you are the holiest of all. Leave that one. We'll deal with it later. Leave that one. Eh? Okay? Amen. Amen. So many pastors are shouting. People cannot shout. Anyway. So, when the Holy Ghost said, let's go back to our text, okay, or our Bible reading. In Hebrews chapter 8. No, sorry, Hebrews chapter 9. Are you tired? Eh? Let me say yes. Are you not enjoying the word? Eh? <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. Pastor, my God has given us a better way to say it. You can press more now, press more. Your body is like, ah, mm, mm, mm. You know, just stay. Praise God. Praise God. Just stay. Say, I stay. I stay. Hearing the word. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I can walk, do the things of the Spirit. Because I have the Spirit living in me. Hallelujah. Don't let your mind say, hey. So when, when it comes to things of the Spirit, I will just walk up to you and say, ah, emoji, a woman of God. Just give us a word, an utterance. You will say, let the Spirit of the Lord come. Abba, Abba, Abba. He has already come. He's inside. <laughs> Amen. He's inside. He's inside. That's where we are going. He's inside. Praise God. Eh? Amen. You will say, ah, emoji. You know, they ask the brother to come and cast that demon <laughs> some time ago. He said, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. He said, he said, so the brother went to his room. So everybody was just waiting. They were saying, the brother, Matabasha. Come and cast that demon. Yes. Come out first. Amen. You don't need to sweat it for demons, though. Praise God. Let me tell you something here. Praying in tongues is for the gospel. Okay? Really, it's for the gospel. That men will hear it. That the door of utterance will be opened. Come and look at it. Let us be delivered from unreasonable men. Men who doesn't have faith. So pray for us. Let us, let us pray so we can charge yourself. Well, if charge yourself, okay? Fine. You understand? But don't say that it's because I charge myself. Eh? That's why there's a manifestation. No. No, it is the God gave it as a gift so that you can do it to the world. Okay? God also gave that gift in the church, right? So that other believers can be edified. Amen? Let's begin to close, okay? So, <clears throat> God didn't tell anyone to build a temple. <laughs> Pastor, why are you laughing? Let's begin to close. <laughs> Amen. So, Jesus' blood is his life. Right? Did we get that? 
Jesus' blood is life. So I told you to turn to Hebrews chapter 9, and I just want to give a summation to something. Uh, go to verse 13. Let's just give a summation to that, and we begin to wrap up on that. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8. Sorry, not 13, verse 8. He says, when he says the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. Now, the Holy Ghost signifying that the holiest of all was not made manifest. That means he's saying that now since we know that the holiest of all is the believer, right? Eh? Right? That means that when he says the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holy was not yet manifest, he's saying that the Holy Ghost is, was pointing to the new creation, right? The Holy Ghost was pointing to the new creation man. The man in and by the Spirit. Okay? So you can say when you say the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the new creation man. Okay? That's the man. The holiest of all is the new creation man. The man in the Spirit. So, I wrote this in my notes and it will bless you if you write it. The blood of Jesus written it before maybe this puts it in a better sentence the blood of jesus is his life his life is his spirit and that is eternal life and by that he has perfected he has sanctified he has cleansed and purified you. By that, he has cleansed, sanctified, and purified you. So, the temple is the work of the Father. Say so the temple is the work of the Father. Okay. So, the only person working when the temple is being built is the Father, not you. You're not working. Hmm? Let us read something. John chapter 15. To establish that fact. Say, the Father works in me. Come on, I want everybody to say, the Father works in me. John chapter 15, yeah, verse 1. I am the what? True vine. And my father is the... Every branch in me... Now, now, okay, I'm going to rush something here, but you can study it later yourself, okay? So in verse 2, it says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Now, people think that when he says he taketh away, is that he removes it, okay? Just removes it and maybe throws it away. No, no. No, no, that's not what it means, okay? Now, uh, please, just go to verse 5 and 6 quickly. 6. Okay, good. It says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth, what? As a branch, and is what? Now, do you notice that there is a difference between verse 6 and verse 2? Can you, do you notice? Good. So, the difference is that this one that is cast off was never in him. Amen? It was never. And that's why this one withers. Right? But the one in verse 2 is still in him. Right? But the Bible says 
he take it away. So what does that mean? Huh? Yes. Now, the word take it away there, right, in the Greek, means, now, have you ever seen a branch trying to fall off from a tree, right? So what happens is, when that branch is about to fall, is about to fall off, the father comes, or the farmer comes, or the husbandman comes, and does something, and lifts it up. Hmm? It's the word carry in the Greek. That word, take it away. It's the word to carry, to bear. Huh? To bear. It will, it, will, it will put it in the right direction. Say, okay, let's, let's push it up now. Huh? Let us put it up. You see that? So it's not to remove. Uh-uh. It's a wrong, um, well, I don't know, translation, right? Uh, you want to use that. It's a wrong translation. So now, I, I, I took it to you here to see that in the work, right? In the work, you are to bear fruit. But the ability to bear fruit is done by the Father. Do you understand? The ability is to bear fruit is done by the Father. The Father is the one that helps you to bear fruit. Say, by the Father, say to me, by the Father, I bear fruit. So, how does that work? I'll tell you. As you yield and listen to the voice of the Father in your spirit, right? You bear fruit. Hmm? As you listen, as you believe, as you yield to the voice, you bear fruit. Amen. Praise God. Okay. So, there's nothing that you do. There's nothing that you do as it were in the kingdom of God. Everything is orchestrated by God's power that is at work in you. Hmm? It's orchestrated by... But you see, that power and that ability, God needs your attention. Okay? He needs your attention. He needs you to say, okay, see. Then you see, then you follow. Okay? But it's, God is not saying that you should generate something. Uh-uh. He's just saying, see your ability. Or see my ability in you and work in it. Hmm? So it takes faith, right? It takes faith, isn't it? When it comes to the things of the Spirit also, it takes faith also. When you see somebody, right? When you see somebody just praying in tongues, you understand? Don't, don't, don't ask, how is he doing it? You understand? The first thing you should say is that I can do it too. Eh? That's the first thing you say. I can do it too. You say, why? Well, I'm a new creation. Amen? I'm born of the Holy Ghost. Jigget. Some people say, why are they speaking in tongues? He's speaking in tongues by Blicka. Well, look. That's not where we are here. Amen? It's by Blicka. Will I believe it? Well, I don't know. But it's by Blicka, sir. You understand? It's not speaking in tongues. It's not for everybody. It's for everybody. Okay? Don't stress us. Amen? It's <laughs> not here for that. Praise God. So, you know, that's the first thing that comes. I can do it because I'm a child of God. I'm a new creation. It's not about prayers. Mm, no, no, no. I can do it because why the father works in me praise God praise God so I said we are beginning to close are we yes we are don't worry we are I'm done actually I'm done I just want to reestablish some truth again okay so <clears throat> look at now 
So, the believer is God's responsibility. The believer is God's responsibility. The dresser is the father. He's the one doing the work. We are his workmanship. We are God's workmanship. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's eternal resting place. Should I? Should I? Should I tell you something that you should think about? Okay? I want you to get used to it. Get used to it. God is going to live in you forever. Do you know what that means? Do you know what forever means? God will live in you forever. So how many of you want to get to heaven eh? and see God come and say, hi, where? You think God will not come out to you? Pion! This is me. He said forever. <laughs> His indwelling is forever. Praise God. I'm sure I'm sure some of you are thinking, but I don't want to go further on that thought. <laughs> so, so the father wouldn't leave. He's in you forever. In John chapter 4, verse 14, you may go there if you want to. He says, I give you a water that springs up into eternal life. Jesus' water is his spirit. The water of Christ is the Spirit. The Spirit of God living in you. John chapter 3, verse 3. Except a man be born again, right? He cannot enter into the kingdom. No, he cannot see the kingdom of God, right? Except a man be born of water and of what? And of spirit. He's saying except a man be born of water, which is the Spirit. Jesus' water is the Spirit of God. Jesus' water is the Spirit of God. So there are no four steps or five steps to the kingdom of God. No. By being born again, you are in the kingdom. By being born again, you are in the kingdom. God is living in you. All the worship, all the worship and the practices of the Old Testament have been done away with. Praise God. When the Bible says, you can read it, there's no time. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. Our God is a consuming fire. What does God consume? It consumes the practices of the tech of the Old Testament. That's what God consumes. It takes away everything. You can read it. You read it in context. You see it there. That's what he does. He takes away, he consumes everything and says, This is my temple. This is where I live in. This is my home. Praise God. Praise God. So, the believer has come to God or God has come to him. He is in God and God in him. He is in God and God in him. Now, okay, good. 
So, we are not to, as it were, be looking for and be seeking for God's presence. No, we are not. Every time in the book of Hebrew, when the Bible says, let us come, let us come to the throne of grace, let us come, let, every time that statement you see, it's not talking to you and I. It is not. We have come. Eh? That statement, let us come, is referring to the man outside Christ. The writer of Hebrew is persuading, is persuading men to come to the throne of grace and mercy. We we are already there. It's a statement of persuasion. You can't be telling those that whom God has perfected to come again. No. I have 20 minutes. In the next 10 minutes, I'm going to show you that and we close. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Let me just show you that. Okay? Hebrews chapter 4. I'm saying this because I don't want you to have an idea. I don't want you to have an idea that, you know what? God cannot use me now. I'm not ready for him. Don't say that anymore. So you, 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 not, you say, ah, I've not gone to meet God today. Or I did not start my devotion. That's why I cannot, I cannot move in the spirit. All those things are good. But they are not a criteria. To begin to practice the things of the Spirit. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 16. He says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may what? And find grace to help in the time of need. Verse 17. He said, Oh, that's all. Okay, sorry. Sorry about that. Now go to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10. What's that? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water is these are statements of persuasion he, the writer of Hebrew is making an invitation to people who have not heard the gospel to come and receive mercy at God's grace we have already received mercy okay are you getting what I'm saying we have received mercy Right, our hearts have already been sprinkled from an evil conscience. The spirit of God is already there, isn't it? Right. So this statement is persuading. You can't read this for yourself. You will tell the unbeliever man, draw near, huh? Draw near to the blood that sprinkles. You beg the unbelieving man, hey, the blood of Jesus. Is available for your forgiveness. Come. Are you seeing that? Come. Because you are already there. So you are preaching from, that's your pulpit. You are preaching from grace. 
showing grace and telling the man, come, come, come. So, when you preach to the unsaved, one, that's why the writer of Hebrews says, for it is impossible, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. The reason why he's saying those statements, he has already mentioned Abraham, Enoch, who by faith has pleased God. He had believed. So he's not talking to others and saying that, look, just, just like this man who pleased God with faith, you have to do the same by faith. He's talking about the gospel. Huh? How Abraham believed the gospel. How Noah believed the gospel. How Abel believed the gospel by faith. Then he says, that is why it is impossible to please God except by faith. He's persuading them. He's trying to tell them it's only true faith. It's not, it's not by your works. Are you listening? That's what he's doing. Praise God. Praise God. So, when you turn to the church, the church has pleased God. Say, God is pleased with me. Say it, come on. God is pleased with me. Why? I have believed in him. I have believed in his son. God doesn't have his scorecard. Hmm. Ella. Yes, sir. Today, you know, to try, where, where? Zero over ten. He doesn't have his scorecard keeping your records. He doesn't. There are no scorecards, okay? Ah, I remember I read them. Um, is it God's generous? I think it's God's generous. Yeah. And uh, Martin Luther, the one, the, the pastor, not the activist, <laughs> who was a who he was who was a Catholic, eh? And he said that before God, in fact, it was in that book I knew the grandmother of Mary, because I never saw it in the Bible. He said that we have, he said we have to pray. His name, her name is Saint Anna. Something like that. A N H. That's what that's what you wrote there. See, so because God and Jesus may be busy, okay, to ask for forgiveness of sin, and sometimes if we pray to Mary, Mary too may be busy. So we have to pray to the grandma. You know, she's just, grandma is just sitting there and reading newspaper in heaven. So we pray to Grandma Anna. Anna will now pray to Mary. Mary will now say, pray adventure. Jesus is not, he's not dealing with uh, the economic development of heaven. <laughs> he will not pray to Jesus. Jesus will not pray to the Father. That image gives a distorted view of the fatherhood. You think God is very, always angry. And Jesus is the one that used to pour cold water on him. Cool down, cool down, cool down. <laughs> Abba, you know, that's why, that's why I, I, there's one Christian movie I watched, they call it um, something shaft, I don't know, you know, and the, the guy, the, the guy of course saw, you know, spoke to God, and of course God was the one, God, the father was the one that, John was a woman, then Jesus was a man, a young guy, you know, and they said this discussion, I argued with my sister, to the end. I no agree. Because so the guy he, he said that in that movie he had free flow. 
with Jesus. He was really ah, connecting with Jesus. So the guy said that, I don't know, I find that I connect with you better. You know, I always go in both him. So that I don't connect with the others. That's the Spirit of God and the Father. So, so and the, the idea they wanted to put there was that because Jesus is a man and he's a man. That's the idea. But I say it's a lie. It's not true. That's the problem of drama. So somebody will watch that and say, ah, Omo, Jesus isn't the only person. And ignore the fatherhood of God. It's not true. It's, that's not the Bible. My sister was like, no, they're just trying to say, leave creativity alone. It's not revelation. Her, this thing, I agree with my sister to the end. She's like, no, that's what I do. You know, my sister is all these creative things. If it's not revelation, it's Oshisko. That's a distorted view. The fatherhood of God is for God fathers us. He takes care of us. Praise God. He takes care of us. Amen. Praise God. So, <clears throat> praise God. So we don't have a temple, right? What we have is that we have a family that worships. Amen? We have a family that worships. Pastor, I'll use my time more. You are looking at me like I'll use my time. Amen. I'll use my time. I'll use my time. I'm done, Sha. <laughs> so, in the temple of God, right, in the few minutes we have, we have we're just going to do something, right? In God's temple. You know, if you notice, I've been emphasizing since the beginning, since yesterday, I've been emphasizing that we should lift up our holy hands because that's what happens in the temple. Praise God. Praise God. So, we're going to lift up our hands as people that were temples to worship Jesus. Why are we doing that? We are giving him all glory and honor for what he has done to us. He has made us his habitation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So that means we are going to be, listen, in the next few days of this conference, we are going to be practicing his presence. Amen? Did you hear me? We are going to be what? We are going to be practicing his presence. Where is his presence? You see Don't say, ah, this is the end of catechismus for me. No, come, 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 come for the next few days. Praise God. We are going to see Holy Ghost things. Amen. Woman of God, lead us in worship. Let's just worship God. You know, now, our worship now, we now have an understanding of our worship. We are worshiping because he lives in us. Amen. That is his mercy and that is his grace. Praise God. Praise God. So let's, let's sing a new covenant song. Amen. Not that we are this thing. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. We'll do the Holy Ghost one singing in tongues from tomorrow. Praise God. You know that song that they were singing on Sunday? It's in this conference that it was born. Oh. We betted it. Praise God. Yes, woman of God, lead us. Hallelujah. Lift our hands, though, and worship God. We just worship and pray.